Well, thank you, Greg. We're so glad to have you uh, for Bible study this morning. Let me say a word of prayer. I'll hand it over to him. Dear Father in heaven, we thank you uh, that you are the one who does the work, that your seed, the seed of your word is powerful. And we pray that as it is sown in our hearts this morning, that it would take root and bear fruit, not only in us, but through us for the sake of our neighbors. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you. Yeah, so um, we're, we're going to talk a little bit about discipleship. That is the process of training, because that's what discipleship is. Disciple is a trainee. An apprentice, does that make sense? Right? So many of you probably went through a training process when you started your first job, right? You got out of school, you had your degree, but, but you didn't have any experience, right? You knew what you were doing, but you didn't know what you were doing, right? Because you got an A on the test, but you had never really done it before, right? And so a training process is giving us an opportunity to learn how to put information into action. And by putting the information into action, you gain insight, experience, skill, and confidence. In other words, you get better and better at it, right? Now, if it's information for the sake of information, you can't put that into practice, right? So reading a story or, or, or listening to music, etc. But if I'm learning to do something, I'm going to be a teacher, I'm going to be a surgeon, I'm going to be a, 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 a business person, then I need to learn how to put the information I learned in a book or from a professor into action so I get better at it, right? We, we don't want to go to an accountant who is no better at accounting than he was when he first got out of school. Am I right? Huh? Or do you, you're like, well, it depends on how cheap he is. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to go to a, you don't want to go to an eye surgeon, right? And you get the exam and he's all excited because you need a little eye surgery. And he says, I just took an online course on this yesterday and I would love to give it a shot on your eye today. You're like, wait a minute. I would like you to have a little more experience, right? And that's why Jesus teaches his disciples with words but teaching his disciples is not accomplished simply with words, okay? Words are important. They, how will you know unless you hear, right? We need to understand and have defined and have our minds kind of blown up and turned around. We're like, we like to say he has to mess with us a little bit, right? Uh, and, and so the, the point is, is that it starts with words, but, but realize this, Jesus isn't done with his teaching when he's done with his teaching. Because <laughs> there is teaching as we have kind of narrowed it down. Uh, I'm teaching you perhaps right now, or there's a you have had teachers throughout your life. But, but a, a rabbi is a little different. A rabbi not only wants you to know how to know the right answers, but how to put into practice, how to live the lifestyle that he's teaching us about. And that's why Jesus says, follow me. It's not just a game. Well, we're following the leader, the leader, the leader. You're not just following the leader. You're, you're imitating. You're watching him live out his teaching for the good of others, in Jesus' case, and then learning to imitate that, learning to do that uh, ourselves. And it's interesting. Um, we're writing a book right now, uh, kind of taking, joining Jesus on his mission and joining Jesus, show me how, mission and discipleship, and applying it to the family situation. How do we have parents or grandparents or guardians or whomever might be uh, the primary caregiver of the children? 
How do we help them become intentional about what's already happening? Namely, they're training them how to live. Right? We'd love to think that we're able to delegate that to somebody else. The trouble is that's not how we're wired. Right? Our children are watching us and imitating us, frankly, for better or worse. <laughs> Sorry, I thought that was a little funny. Uh, but uh, maybe, maybe you're like, oh, wow, you're right. Um, and, 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 and so what we want to, to do is to go, wow, um, discipleship, being trained how to live is not just about scholarship, right? Taking some classes and, and, and accomplishing some steps in a process of continued education until maybe we're confirmed or maybe we, you know, we get out of uh, uh, high school Bible class or whatever that kind of next step is. Those things are important, don't get me wrong, but it is how they observe those uh, that, that faith put into practice that will have the deepest impact on them. It's not what you say you believe, but how you live out what you believe that will make the deepest impression. Does that make sense? And that's the reality of how God wired us as human beings. And so Jesus, as he disciples his adult followers, uh, he has to, uh, and I'll put it this way, he has to re-disciple them. He has to retrain them, which frankly is more difficult, Right? Think of it like concrete. You pour concrete and you got some time to kind of play around with it, right? Smooth it out, move it around, make sure it's just the right uh, shape that you want. But after a while, you can't move it around anymore. If you decide, oh, we need to have it be different, uh-oh. <laughs> now it takes a real effort to break it apart and, and, and be able to now reform it, right? That's harder. That's harder. And you can see it's harder by how Jesus uh, interacts with his retrainees, right? Uh, and and I, I personally enjoy this. I'm not offended by it. Some people don't like it because they like, think Jesus is so sweet all the time. But, but Jesus is a guy. <laughs> and, if, and if you think of it, he's a coach that, that knows they are capable of more than what they're settling for, right? And, and, and hopefully good parents do the same thing, right? We have such a, a love and a value for our children, but we love them too much to leave them that way. <laughs> well, these usually get chuckles in other churches, just so you know. <laughs> and, and so, if we can think of it that way, that, that <clears throat> Jesus is reforming them, right, uh, and then apply that same thing to our kids, they are very pliable when they're little, right? But we've got to kind of remember, every year they're kind of hardening up a little bit. Right? And at some point, you know, everyone's different, but at some point, the concrete has now been set. And no, no matter what you do now, it's probably not going to be enough to really reform them. It will take something a little more dramatic and usually painful for folks to kind of get knocked back, broke apart, and ready to be reformed and, and retrained. Right? And this is why Jesus, with his disciples, um, he does two things that are, are, are particularly troubling. <laughs> but you've experienced them already. Um, in order to help his trainees trust the Father more, he asks them to do scary stuff. Right? Asks them to do scary stuff. Now, now to Jesus it's not scary. Right? Because why? He has a lot of experience with his Father. So trusting the Father more is not like a crazy, risky thing. It's the smart thing to do, right? But the disciples haven't found that out yet. 
They've heard about it probably since they were knee-high to a grasshopper. They've heard about it, but now they need to learn how to actually take courage and put trust in the Father more. Does this sound like something that all of us, either we've uh, experienced it or we've tried our desperate best to avoid it? (laughs) Uh, I note that as I go around the world, places uh, that don't have quite so much uh, affluence and power and, and independence and freedoms learn how to trust the Father a lot more than Americans. Because we trust the Father more, but we hedge our bets, <laughs> right? Uh, and there's nothing wrong with utilizing a, you know, good, good saving practices and investment practices. There's nothing wrong with getting a, a, a degree and, and there's nothing wrong with being in a society where we have independent freedoms you know, and liberties. But, but if we aren't careful, we become the ones that, well, it's kind of like what Ezekiel, uh, the Lord said today through Ezekiel, that uh, I'm going to bring the high trees low. Cause, and you're like, well, man, you're a meanie. <laughs> it's like, no, I'm not a meanie. I love you enough to do it. And that brings us to the second thing. Trusting the Father more usually means kind of think about kind of think about Peter standing on the edge of the boat, right? And and Jesus says, "Well, come on," and he's like, "Okay, this doesn't sound like a good idea, right?" And all of a sudden, by trusting the Father more, the Father is able to show him more of what he's able to do. Now, what was the rookie? trainee mistake that Peter made in that episode, remember? He's <laughs> like, wait a minute, I shouldn't be able to do this. <laughs> and, and Jesus like, duh. Uh, <laughs> and of course, he immediately began to sink. And Jesus said, loser, uh, bye-bye. No, no. Jesus immediately did what? Reached out his hand and pulled him up. Spit, spit in water, right? And then what did Jesus say? Do you remember what he said? Get back in the boat. Get back in the boat. Yeah, actually, crazy enough, he doesn't actually say that. Why? Well, this is why. Don't miss this. Jesus is not scolding Peter. He's still coaching Peter. He's still training Peter. And what did he say? You of little faith, why did you doubt? And then... You know, that's, that's not a rhetorical question. Now, we don't see the conversation, but my guess is that Jesus was looking at Peter when he was on the edge of the boat, stepping out. I think he probably had a big smile on his face. I'm like, yes, Peter. You are such an impetuous ding-dong, but you're doing good here. <laughs> right? And so I imagine that as he's sputtering, right, Jesus pulls him up. He says, you little faith. I don't think he was scolding him. I think he was actually trying to, you know, pull down a smile, right? You know, why did you doubt? And I don't know what happened. You know, this is the, where the, the scriptures don't say. But I can imagine they're standing there. He's dripping what? He, Jesus is on the water. This is no big deal to him. He could be on the ground. He could be up in the air. He could be on the wa- water. No big deal to him. And he asked him, why did you doubt? Where'd your faith go? And Peter said, well, I made a, I made a Boo-boo, didn't I, Jesus? Yeah, you did. What'd you do? Well, I took my eyes off you. When I took my eyes off you, I didn't trust the Father was really able to do all this. And I sunk like a, I sunk like a Peter. That's a theological joke because Peter means rock. Okay, you got it. All right, all right. 
I should have known. You got Pastor Tinetti. He's got all the good theological jokes. Um, okay, so that was training. There was trusting the Father more, but what was on the other side of that? What did Peter need to also experience? Humility. Right? Now, here's the trouble. Humility is just as painful <laughs> as learning to trust more, right? But think about what the Bible says about someone that's trusting the Father more and is able to humble himself faster. Because the other side of I'm going to take the, 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 the tall tree and make it uh, low is I'm going to take the low one and make it high. And what does Jesus say is the key to being greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Least. To be the least, to become like a little child, humble ourselves, right? And, and there's a, a number of other uh, ways that Jesus says we're greatest, uh, but it also comes down to we're least. And, and even, even like the Sermon on the Mount and the Beatitudes, if you're wondering what in the world you're talking about, he's basically saying trust the Father more, humble yourself faster, and you'll see what God does in that, what the kingdom of, uh, is able to accomplish through people that are trained Right? That that's, that's, we're disciples were trained to live that way. And, and understand this. It's not about you actually becoming greatest. It's about you becoming of the greatest use to the Father. Right? Yeah. The goal of Jesus isn't we all walk around going, I am the greatest. <laughs> but rather, and, and Jesus is the example, isn't he? By becoming the least, the Father's able to do the greatest thing through him of all, right? And then he does lift him up, right? Philippians 2 comes to mind, right? He's God, but he didn't, you know, it wasn't something he grasped a hold of, but rather emptied himself out, even unto death. Think, humbled himself, even unto death. Think of him in the garden. Father, if there's any other way, but not my will, yours be done. Even in the garden, Jesus is still learning to put humility into practice. And through that, the salvation of the world. Pretty cool, huh? And then he raises them up, name above every other name, all that. That's great. But the humility allows the Father to do the greatest work through us. Now, he's not going to save the world through you. <laughs> all right? Okay, that's been done. That's Jesus' job. That's tougher, right? And so when we look at Jesus and say, hey, I want to imitate Jesus, his lifestyle, we might go, wow, look at the work the Father did through Jesus. Look at the fruit the Father produced through Jesus. I can't do that. No, you can do what Jesus did. It's just the Father's not going to do through you that he did through Jesus. But he wants you to be of the greatest use to him. So as we imitate Jesus, trusting the Father more, humbling ourselves faster, being ready to offer freely what we have, he'll be able to do the greatest amount that he wants to do through you. And Jesus ultimately says, and you will do greater things than these, than what I have done. And we're like, wait a minute, you raised people from the dead. <laughs> right? And now how can I do things greater than these? And he's like, well, I, Greg, sweetheart, what happened to the people I raised from the dead? They died. Yeah. The inner, eternal, spiritual transformation. Again, not because of us, simply through us. And all we did was fling the seed, right? But as we trust the Father more, get over ourselves faster, and offer that freely, you're going to see greater things than these. 
And one day when all things do come to conclusion, and everyone's gathered before the throne and before the Lamb, you'll be going, wow. And I was just being a humble little child. Yeah, who knew, right? Anyway, so the, the training process of Jesus, as you can see, is not so much about scholarship and theology. Um, if you think about it, the, the Pharisees could have run theological circles around the disciples, around Mary Magdalene, about, around Mary and Martha and Lazarus. They could have run circles around them. But uh, who did Jesus do the greatest work through? Yeah, yeah. So again, I'm a theologian. I love theology. If you let me do, that's all I do. I'd be like, well, this is fun, but I'm going back and read something. Okay. Uh, I love theology. I'm a kind of a cross between an exegete and a systematician. Uh, I get a little bored with this, the history stuff. No, nothing personal. If you like history, that's why God gave that to you and not to me. But um, I, don't, I actually, I think he's a lot. Uh, well, not a lot like me. I wouldn't want to put that on him. But um, but. <laughs> But, you know, studying the scriptures and the, and the theology that brings it all together, sure, that's great stuff. Does my neighbor zero good? Unless I now turn and put it into play, put it into practice. And what Jesus says is that all that adds up anyway is love. The Lord your God and your neighbor, so let love loose. Pastor. Um, along these lines, you make a point that to me was kind of one of these, like, Duh, points, but I had just not really thought about it in terms of um, Jesus sending out the disciples. I mean, there's the ultimate sending in the commission, great commission, but how long have they been following him when he first starts sending them out? And you can just imagine their apprehension, like, oh, we're not, you know, we're fishermen. You know, we haven't done a whole lot of training. He's like, it's going to be on-the-job training yeah. here. But, uh, I mean, it was, it was right out, just throwing yeah. them out there. Yeah. Um, because how much do we learn in that practice mm -hmm. rather than just talking about it? That's right. That's right. No, and, and, uh, and, 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 you know, really the majority of what Jesus teaches is about the power of the kingdom and the importance of trusting the Father and humbling ourselves. I know there's a bunch of other stuff too, right? But if we can kind of realize there's a summing up, that there really is an outcome that's a very simple lifestyle. It's a simple, sustainable, fruitful, fulfilling, and ultimately, because of God, powerful lifestyle that, that even a little child can participate in. In fact, that's the rub, unless you change and become like a little child. And this isn't about y'all aren't going to get into heaven. It's, it just means you won't experience the reality of the kingdom here. Because remember, Jesus said the kingdom of God is within reach. And so a lot of times we, being 21st century American and, and, and Lutheran, and this is not a, it's not a Lutheran thing, but we're so fixated on justification by grace through faith, right? And, and if you're honest, Jesus doesn't talk as much about that as we would like. <laughs> he accomplishes it on the cross, and is rising again, right? But, but that's why Lutheran preachers tend to like to go to Paul, because he says it, you know, just by, by grace through faith. We're like, okay, that I can preach, right? <laughs> but, but what Jesus is teaching about is not so much how are you right with God. He's in the process of working out that, sacri that propitiatory sacrifice, right? What he's talking about is now that you are right with God, how shall we now live? How do we live as participants in the kingdom that's coming and the will of the Father that's being done? 
now, not just someday. And that's why Jesus, he speaks in present tense that I have come that you might have life and have it abundantly. Not someday, but now. But the way we participate in the abundance is by participating in the abundance. (laughs) Not just studying it, singing about it, praying about it, but stepping into it, right? Freely receive, freely give, right? Uh, As I have loved you, now go love one another. Uh, Now that I have done this for you, I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Over and over again, right? Don't just hear these words of mine, put them into practice. Don't be the fool, be the wise one, right? And all that isn't about y'all better behave or I'm not going to save you. (laughs) What he's saying is now that I've saved you, it's a lot more fun than simply behaving. We are not just behaving. We're we're not saying, oh, you better be good. No, you've been declared good in your baptism. Woohoo! This is how Lutherans get excited about their baptism, evidently. (laughs) (laughs) You've been declared good. We don't have to worry about trying to be good. What we get to be about is being a way that good gets loose. Right? You've been freed from sin. You've been freed for what? Yeah, but not just, oh, I'm a Lutheran and I have to serve, right? Uh, and again, I, I'm a third-generation Lutheran, so I, it takes one to know one, right? <laughs> but I, I tend to go around, and everybody knows they're saved by grace, but it seems like a lot of people are saved by grace, driven by guilt, right? And so service, that is the martyr syndrome, which is a lot what we see a lot, right? Okay, I'll, I'll help you if I must. Uh, isn't the same as joyfully lending a hand, right? Generously, with a smile, with joy, right? And my point is not to in any way take away from doing our duty, but rather that it's better than that, right? And, and, and that's what Jesus is talking about when he talks about, well, you certainly uh, won't experience the kingdom, right? The great, and, and, you know, it's even kind of confusing. I was reading uh, Matthew 5, uh, this morning, and um, it was Jesus was like um, that. That if 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 uh, if you, I'll just say if you don't do something, you are least in the kingdom. And then he goes down, and he says, if you don't do it, then you certainly won't see the kingdom or enter into the kingdom. And that sounds like hell language, right? But it's not. I don't think so, at least, and a lot of others don't either. That rather he's talking about the experiencing of the kingdom. You see, God has loved you and forgiven you even though you're a, a twit. Is that right? Yeah. You're, you're, you're never going to get humble enough to earn his salvation, right? You're never going to get the law right enough to earn his salvation. You're never going to believe correctly enough to earn his salvation. None of that's true. You're saved by Yeah, and that came through the blood he shed on the cross and then rose again making you right with God. Or like we heard in 1 Corinthians 5, that the, the old is gone. You are a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. That's a set deal. Now Jesus starts from that foundational reality and says, now how shall we live so that we are living out a redemptive lifestyle for the good of others? And by the way, when you do that, you'll be experiencing what you've been given in full, not just someday when you get to heaven, but each day, because the kingdom is at hand. Does that make sense? So it sounds a bit, you know, uh, philosophical, but it's not. When we start to participate in the kingdom now, you start to 
see that there's a participation in the kingdom now. <laughs> it's not just an intellectual assent. Yep, I believe that. But now it turns into stories. And Jesus doesn't tell them to go out. What he tells them, he says, go and make disciples and be my witnesses. Now, what does that mean? Well, now we know it means help people to learn how to live this simple but redemptive lifestyle. Live out my teachings for the good of others. You help other people do that now that you have been trained in that. And be my witnesses. That doesn't say, that's not be a preacher at a church. Be my witnesses. We want preaching at the church. That's a different word. Be my witnesses is about telling your stories of your life with Jesus. What you have seen, what you have heard, what you've experienced. And so theology it describes and it organizes, but the point of theology, good theology, is a new way of living. And when you live that way, you have stories about it. And most of the time you go, oh, no, 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 you don't understand. That's not, that wasn't me. That was God. And now Paul says, I'm going to boast. I'm going to boast about the Lord. Did you see what he did? And all I did was fling a couple seed. <laughs> Make sense? And that's why for us as followers of Jesus, right? We worship Jesus. We study Jesus. But then we get up off our pews and follow Jesus. We will gain Little by little, experience, skill, and confidence in him and this lifestyle. Pastor. Um, you use a, a real helpful metaphor of the ripening fruit. and that. Uh, well, especially in western Michigan, huh? Especially in western Michigan. <laughs> and the idea being that um, when someone is, if someone's not ripe for the kingdom, doesn't matter how hard you, you tug on them or cajole them or what did you use in the sermon, cling to them. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. <laughs> um, it's not going to make a difference. But when they are ripe, then it's, you know, just a, a matter of course. I'm wondering, what are some ways that you can tell that someone might be ripe for deeper conversation or, you know, be at a, a, a place, you know, some of those signs and indicators that, okay, this is somebody who, um, it's probably ready for a, a cup of cool water of grace or for a deeper conversation. Yeah, great question. So, again, um, experience will teach you more than me describing what this might look like. Uh, now, I'll, just, I'll do that, right? But, it, but what usually happens is, is I will describe this, uh, you know, some, some different indicators, and then you go home and you'll still be like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> It's until we start to go out. The reason I can give that illustration so um, uh, confidently is because I've had any number of apples fall right off into my hand, right? Or to, to, to change the, 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 the metaphor into reality, I've had so many people after X number of conversations, boom, all of a sudden, I, I, I didn't even bring it up. They just changed the subject, bam, and asked a question or wanted to know something. That that was uh, part of it. I was at a uh, I was at a neighborhood. We have what we call a, a street night. Um, we used to have in the neighborhood uh, soup supper nights, but because of COVID, that got shut down. And then it took nine months for somebody to come up with the bright idea of let's just gather in the street. <laughs> Thankfully, they did. And uh, we were so new to the neighborhood, we don't we're just really more listening and watching and observing and participating rather than taking a lead. 
Um, plus, they, plus they know I'm a pastor, so they're just watching for me to try to do something pastorly. Right? They just know I'm going to sneak in there and try and do something. And, uh, and so uh, they switched from soup suppers to street night. And all it was was, you know, bring a mask, because this was still back in like April, May, and, uh, and, uh, um, uh, and bring something to sip on, all right? And let's be honest, that, that usually means uh, we're Lutheran, so it's okay to drink a beer and, and, and have a glass of wine and whatnot. Okay, and, uh, and so the, uh, we all come out, and, uh, you know, we don't understand sometimes. We take it for granted what we have sometimes, right? Um, the love, the joy, the peace that we have. I was talking with a woman. She's a, a school teacher um, and uh, taught at a Catholic school. Uh, I don't think she is, she's certainly not what we would call a going to church every Sunday believer. Uh, and yet she said, you know, there's something about you. She said, there's something about you. I could see that people would want to follow you. And, and you know, and, and, I, and I giggled a little bit. I just said, well, wow, that, that's something. And, 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 and I, you know, changed the subject a little bit because I was frankly caught off guard by that. Uh, and then, you know, but it really makes sense, doesn't it? it? It's not us, it's Jesus in us. What they're seeing, thinking, going, hmm, what is that? It's Christ in you, right? Mm-hmm. And, 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 and that's where we underestimate what people will receive from us. It, it's a little like light. You know, it's like, oh, you're just there and there's, there's a little bit of a shine. There, you're, it's like a little light salt. It, you're just there and there's just a little more, right? Um, there's an aroma, Paul says, right? And we underestimate that. But, but people that don't have it, they go, what is that? That's a good smell. Or I, 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 I see something, right? Hear something, right? And, and a lot of times that, that's where... It, the, the key is some measure of intentional, consistent, unhurried time with people. And you're not ripening them, but even being with them, the one who does ripen has an opportunity to use some of the things, the couple phrases, the couple of just, you know, kind of almost intuitive things and brings it together, Right? This is the cool thing about you not being in charge. You know, uh, Jesus says, I think it's in Matthew 10, make up your mind ahead of time not to worry about what you'll say or how you'll say it. Because why? The Holy Spirit will give you, yeah. Now, because we're Americans, we we say, well, that better sound like Billy freaking Graham. (laughs) If what I just said doesn't sound really good, that I, I, I guess I failed, right? And what we forget is, no, he doesn't need you being who you're not. He needs you to be who you are. And, and have you ever looked at a seed? You know, if I just laid a couple seeds across the, your, uh, your uh, kitchen counter, you might think you had mice. <laughs> Little mice turds on my counter. No, it's just, it's just some seeds, right? Seeds are pretty unimpressive. But all you got to do is plant a seed, and you can see what a seed can do, right? We've got a living uh, example of that right behind you out there. Stuff's already in <laughs> yeah. the garden, and it's, it's starting to sprout. Yay. Just like that. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And so that's where, 
Don't worry that what you say and how you say it doesn't sound eloquent or deep. Right? Uh, just trust that the Holy Spirit will do what exactly He says He's going to do. He's not like fickle or not paying attention or like, well, never mind, not this time. Um, the seeds, the seeds, right? And uh, so we can count on that. And the more experience you have with Him doing what He gave you to do, the more confidence you got, not in yourself, because then that's when you get knocked down a peg. It's like, I can do more through you if you're just a little less full of you. But we can see what, we, we have more and more confidence in Him acting. Not in big spectacular ways like you saw at the movie show, but in the little ways that He consistently shows us. If you have eyes that are looking and ears that are hearing. Right? Make sense? Yeah. yeah. So that's why it's more than a class. It's a lifestyle. It's more than a, uh, a lesson uh, uh, learned. It is a... It is a lifestyle lived so that we gain experience and skill and ultimately a lot more confidence. So we get fast forward from Peter uh, sputtering water and Jesus going, okay, buddy, you, you did good right up till you didn't. Uh, let's remember this for next time. And, he, and, and Peter wasn't done messing up, was he? No, no. So, so you know, that trainees mess up. But when you're a trainee of Jesus, understand this, failure is never failure, it's training. You don't wash out. He's not washing you out. You might give up thinking you're a mess, but he's like, what part of that did you get from me? Right? No, you're my beloved. Right? I've already given you the kingdom. Now it's time for training. And as he trains us, we will mess up. And Peter messed up some more. Um, it wasn't long after that that you know he made the you know the the, the silly error of, of telling Jesus he didn't have to die. <laughs> good gracious, let's not go over the top here. <laughs> and Peter gets a, a good swat. Get behind me, Satan. What part of that don't you get? Right, humility. And uh, and Jesus said, by the way, anybody that wants to come after me has to deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me too. Right. So uh, trusting the Father more, humbling ourselves faster. And then he goes on, and you know, then then there's probably the the, the biggest boo boo he made, and that was denying him three times, huh? Yeah. But then fast forward, the resurrection, Pentecost, and now Matthew, I mean Acts chapter four. He and John standing before the the, the folks, they're they're you know, they're telling you you better shut up. And he's like, well, I'd like to, but I can't. I've seen it. And now the impetuousness of Peter. Uh, is crystallized into courage. And his experience now, he stands there and doesn't equivocate. He just tells. He has trust in the Father, humility, and tells him what he's seen and heard. Pretty cool, huh? Mm -hmm. Yeah. You don't have to be St. Peter. I mean, St. Peter, for heaven's sakes. Um, just uh, imitate Jesus, right? All right. I think we're out of time. All right. Got, got to wrap it up. I was wondering, can I just pray for you, Pastor Pinky? Sure. Before? So, um, if you guys aren't familiar with, so um, he um, leads under the auspices or of an organization he started called Dwelling 114. And mm -hmm. maybe you just say a word about what the title Yeah, Dwelling 114 comes from John 114. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And mm -hmm. just reminds us that we have to actually, if we're going to follow Jesus, not just worship, study, but follow, 
we're going to be with people that are living without the grace and truth of the Father, because that's where he's leading us, right? Mm-hmm. So it's uh, dwelling114.org yeah. is, the, is the website, all the books and everything. And now he's got a couple books out. And as he said, there's another one coming. And you know we've made good use of them here. And um, uh, I'll give another plug for the Neighborhood Ambassador Training. We'll Please. start that in a, a couple of weeks. And yeah. um, if you haven't already registered for that, love to have you uh, join us for that. We'll be going through, as part of that, we go through uh, Greg's first book and video series, um, as well as other uh, opportunities to gather together as God's people and spur one another on in the good work that he has given to us. So let me just say a word of prayer for, for Greg as we go. Dear Father in heaven, thank you that you have uh, anointed your child, your servant Greg, to uh, bring light and clarity to your people as we seek not merely to hear your word, to be, but to be doers of your word. We pray, O Lord, that in doing so, we might become more firmly rooted in your truth and that we would go out joyfully to share and show your love to our neighbors. Uh, Bless Greg as he goes from this place, and we pray that he would take uh, the spirit of Arcadia with him and continue to um, shed and share your seed to sow it, cast it aimlessly all over, trusting that it's your power that makes it to grow. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you, Pastor. Thank you, everybody.